Old powers waken, shadows stir, an age of wonder and terror will soon be upon us, an age for gods and heroes. The glass candles are burning, and you're listening to the Obsidian Knights Podcast. Welcome back to Obsidian Nights, where we go through chapter by chapter of A Song of Ice and Fire. Today, we are covering Tyrion 2 of A Game of Thrones, and my special guest is Alicia Patience. Hey, girl, would you like to let the people know where they can find you? Yeah, so I'm at Alicia Patience on Twitter and at Awaking Beauty Alley on Instagram. And I just restarted my YouTube channel talking about Game of Thrones and their fairy tale symbolism. And uh, my YouTube channel is just my name, A L I S A, patience like the virtue. Um, and please forgive the beginner quality of my videos. <laughs> You're good. You're good. Everybody has to start somewhere. You have to start somewhere when you're starting out doing a YouTube channel or a podcast. The important thing is, is that you put yourself out there and you grow from it, learn from it. Girl, I know. <laughs> I've been there. Thank you. <laughs> no problem. Um, And I will link all of her information in the description box. If you're listening on Apple, it'll be in that description box. I'm glad you could make it to discuss Tyrion 2. And today I feel like we're going to be talking about the lion and the wolf. So I, let's let's just get into the juice. So Tyrion 2 takes place during the journey from Winterfell to the Wall. From Winterfell to the Wall, it's about 600 miles. I never realized that it was that far. And in this chapter, um, it takes them... It, they've been riding for 18 days and they still aren't at the wall. But the king and all the court, Ned Stark and the girls, all of them went south. But Tyrion and John are on quite a different journey. They're going north. And one thing that I noticed reading this chapter again is that the Starks in general, Benjen Stark and the Starks in general, are actually unpleasant prudes. They're really stuck up. Yeah, um, I I understand why Catelyn is generally uh, doesn't trust the or doesn't trust the Lannisters because she feels like that they like threatened her son, you know. But like, um, and then an assassin appears. But like, Yorin has no or not Yorin. Benjen has no reason to dislike Tyrion. Like, he's a guest. He just wants to see what everyone's doing and he's like sassing him. Right. I just didn't get it. Like Benjen clearly he doesn't like Tyrion. And when I was reading again, I was like, Jamie is right. By what right does the wolf judge the lion? Like, why are they like you have no reason to just like I see why Ned Stark doesn't like Jamie Lannister. Get it. But why do you not like Tyrion? Is it like just because he's a Lannister? Is it because he's a dwarf? Or is it just because you're cold and miserable and don't feel like being bothered with like a tourist? I don't really get it. And it's kind of hypocritical because like the Starks aren't perfect 
they haven't done everything in their life perfect. There were some pretty horrible Starks that we could talk about. So it's like Benjen is in this glass house on quicksand throwing rocks at Tyrion and it just doesn't make sense to me at all. Yeah, he says he doesn't want to give Benjen like uh, the satisfaction of complaining about the cold. And I, I think, like you said, the Starks aren't perfect. And I think part of it is the fact that he's a Lannister, but I, I think it's partly that he's a dwarf because like Starks aren't perfect. They're not free of judgment or making snap judgments or like being superficial. Um, and I, and I don't know if Benjen's ever had to deal with someone like Tyrion before. So I think it is part of it that he's just judging him for being a dwarf like everyone else. Yeah, I think it's like a combination of everything. He's a Lannister, he's a dwarf, and then Benjen just feels like this is just some extra bullshit that I have to deal with while I'm just trying to go back to the wall. So I, I do feel like it's a combination of all of it. And the Starks, they're definitely painted like the, these bleak prudes of the north and Benjen fits right in i think when you read this chapter what sticks out the most to me is all of the dragon lore yes uh there's so much that's the majority of the chapter and it's really short it's like four pages um or six pages and it's mostly just Tyrion talking about his experience with the dragon skulls and reading about dragons yeah like we've had two povs from daenerys so far but it's this chapter so far that has had the most dragon lore and you would think that the dragon lord would actually come from the exiled dragon lords but no it's coming from a bookworm dwarf with questionable parentage which isn't really questionable at the time that he's dropping all this dragon lore which it does make you wonder is Tyrion a targaryen or is he just a boy who really um likes big cool fire breathing scaly animal weapons like <laughs> i know <laughs> i mean come on house all that. <laughs> forever fire and blood um yeah uh i realized um i wanted to see uh when the first time uh valerian the black dread is said and this is the first time that all of the dragons are like mentioned by name yeah. um uh like daenerys mentions like aegon the conqueror or Aegon Targaryen, but, like, she doesn't, like, really talk about, um, the dragons, uh, as much as she, uh, uses, uh, I Am Blood of the Dragon to comfort herself. Um, this is, like, the first time that we're getting any information about the dragons themselves. And I was reading it, I don't know if you've seen it, I have put it on Twitter, I was reading it, and it said that the dragon skulls, Tyrion, when he went to King's Landing to see the dragon skulls, like, the oldest one was 3,000 years old, and I'm like, that has to be a typo because Balerion is not 3,000 years old. It's probably just a typo or a, maybe George didn't know how long the dragons were around when he wrote it. Um, or maybe Tyrion's just wrong. Maybe this is one of the moments where he's just wrong. Yeah. I mean, it, there's moments like that in this chapter. So Tyrion is like... He's read all the maps, like he's read all the maps, but then when he's actually on the road, he's like, the road isn't the maps, like this isn't the maps. I guess it's kind of like a, like a conception thing. So where we know that the histories, the oral histories and 
all of these things aren't right. We know that it's all a jambled mess written years after things have happened. So Tyrion probably just doesn't really know and he's just giving an astronomical number or George went back and retconned some of the stuff. <laughs> but what do you think? Are you like Tyrion Targaryen or Tyrion Lannister? Well, I'm 100% Tyrion's secret Targ. There's so much subtext for it throughout all of the books um, and even in the show that they ended up not doing anything with. But um, there's a line uh, where he talks about, where he's talking to John about how he imagined like the fires mm -hmm. uh, he would light in the bowels of Casterly Rock. He said he would imagine them like burning Tywin and his sister. And then he says, don't look at me that way, bastard. I know your secret. You've dreamt the same kind of dreams. And I'm like, he's dreamt the same kind of dreams, like dragon dreams. It's because they're both secret targs. And we already know, like, pretty much hashtag confirmed that John is a secret targ. Yeah, John is definitely a secret targ. So if they've dreamt the same dreams um, about fire and, like, conquering and stuff, all, from what we know, only Targaryens have dragon dreams. So I think that's pretty solid evidence if you've if you've read all the books. So I'm not Team Targaryen, <laughs> Team Tyrion Tar Team. I'm not Team Tyrion Targaryen. Like I think it could go either way. I've, like senior DNA video. <laughs> <laughs> I think for me personally, like Tyrion being Tywin's trueborn son adds like a lot more dynamic to their relationship with each other. But I definitely see the case that is made for Tyrion being a Targaryen, especially in this chapter. Like in this chapter, he's reading books on dragons and the history of dragons that he's borrowed from the Winterfell libraries. Like he says he has this morbid fascination with dragons. The first time he ever goes to King's Landing is for Cersei's wedding. And that, and he, the like what he wanted to do, what he went out his way to do was see the dragon skulls. Like he made it a point to seek them out and basically played with the dragon skulls in all until his torch almost burned out. And then Tyrion also says, like you said, he used to dream of dragons and start fires in the bowels of Casterly Rocks and stare at the flames. So there's a lot in this chapter alone. And then as we go forward, like he still has dreams. He has a dream, dr dragon dreams in a, in a dance with dragons. So I see the i see it being there but like I, I feel like there's definitely a possibility that george is going to make Tyrion a targaryen or he has wanted us to at least think about it but is there a need for so many secret targaryens like does that take away from Jon snow's parentage reveal does it add to it does that make Tyrion the rightful heir to the iron throne like i i just struggle with like the narrative of it all like is is it going to be one of those things that is never answered it might be and we've all just done all this mind twisting for nothing but uh i think the narrative i do understand the poetry in tywin hating Tyrion so much when Tyrion's his like real son um there is a poetry to that but um there has okay there doesn't have to be it could be nothing but it said over and over again the dragon has three heads. Mm -hmm. um, so there has to be three. And if uh, Aegon is in fact Phaegon, which I'm also like 
99% sure he is, that means there still needs to be a third head of the dragon. Um, mm -hmm. And I think because there's all the support for it, it would have to be Tyrion. And I don't think it would take away from it because Jon, Daenerys, and Tyrion are like the three like main heads of the story. Mm -hmm. um, so like them coming together and all being secret targs, that doesn't, uh, that doesn't take away from Jon's identity because like the reason why Jon's identity is so important is because Ned like was such, was like this honorable man and he like had a much worse reputation than he would have had because he was protecting his sister's child again, supposedly. Um, <laughs> and it's a big deal for John because he has no idea like who his mother is. It's a huge mystery. Um, and I don't think Tyrion, who is a hundred percent sure of who his parents are, uh, finding out that he's been wrong all this time. I don't think that would take away from John, John's, uh, dealing with that identity at all. That's a good point. I mean, what, what I struggle with is I, I think that that third head of the dragon is Fagon because I think that Fagon, whether he is a legitimate Targaryen or not, he still has that blood. So like Illyrio, I, so I think that Aegon is a Blackfire Targaryen. I think there's a lot of evidence that he might be a Blackfire Targaryen. And Illyrio makes this um, statement, black or red, a dragon is still a dragon. So I definitely could see Aegon being that. But I, I, I'm not going to like ignore the evidence because there's a ton of it. And like if anyone just went through the books and get, got every piece of evidence that Tyrion is a Targaryen, it's overwhelming. Like R plus L equals J overwhelming. I, I don't want to get, I don't want to get too hung up in Tyrion as a Targaryen. But one thing this chapter made me think about was Tyrion actually being the Valonqar. So I've never thought that Tyrion was the Valonqar. But Tyrion tells Jon that he stared in the flames and pictured his father burning and sometimes his sister. So we know staring in the flames is a way of seeing the future for Melisandre. So Tyrion stares in the flames and sees his father burning. And we know that Tyrion later kills his father. And he says he also stared in the flames and pretended his sister was burning. So we know Cersei thinks that Tyrion is the Valonqar. And I think it would be hilarious if Cersei was right this whole time and us, the reader, have just been overcomplicating this thing like Cersei, you don't know anything, and Cersei was right this whole time. Man, that would be such like a giant prank from George. Because uh, like he knows he knows what he's doing with Jamie's hand and uh, the connection that they have and uh, making Cersei look wrong because everyone but Cersei knows that she's not the brightest uh, light bulb in the pack. Um, so, yeah, that would, it would all honestly be so disappointing, but also, <laughs> <laughs> but also totally possible. Uh, um, I totally see how uh, Tyrion could be the Valonqar, but uh, I just, I, I need, I need Jamie to, 
I just really want it to be Jamie. I'm not going to be mad if it's Tyrion, because, I mean, George does so much setup for so many different possibilities that anything he did would make sense. But, mm-hmm. but, uh, I just, I want Tyrion, I want, I don't want Cersei's hate for Tyrion to be justified. Yeah, me either. I like that her paranoia is unfounded and is basically what's destroying her and it's so not it's so she's so far off i like that's one of the i that's one of the reasons i really love cersei's chapters because her chapters is all about her being paranoid over stuff that isn't real (laughs) that isn't there she's seeing shadows that aren't there and i will say this if Tyrion is the balancar that's better than a rock. Better than a rock. <laughs> better than a rock. Anything's better than a rock. Yes. So another big part of this chapter, I would say the biggest part is the relationship between Jon Snow and Tyrion Lannister. Okay, so we've had two chapters. We're only 13 chapters in on this book. And we've had Tyrion and Jon together in two chapters already. The relationship between John and Tyrion is a dynamic one. So they are a lot alike, but they're also not a lot alike. So they're like this dichotomy of each other. And it kind of carries over from John 1, where Tyrion is steady kicking knowledge to John. So in John 1, Tyrion tells him, like, there are worse things in this world than being a bastard. Know what you are. Wear it like armor. And in Tyrion 2, Tyrion tells him, a mind needs a book as a sword needs a whetstone. Which, as an avid reader... I completely agree with this. (laughs) I feel like everyone should read one book a month at least. But basically Tyrion is telling Jon that Tyrion knows what he is. And and he knows what his strengths are and what his weaknesses are. And Tyrion is a man in his late 20s, early 30s. He's been around the mulberry bush a few times. But knowing your strengths and weakness is a key to survival. And this is a story that it's a coming of the age tale to me but it's a story about survival and how these people surviving and and overcoming what they're going through changes the world and saves the world quote unquote saves so he he's like robert has his warhammer jamie has a sword but Tyrion has his mind and Tyrion's character to me, and that's why I really liked Tyrion in A Game of Thrones, is because Tyrion's character shows us that you don't have to be some turny sword, joust winning Sir Loras Tyrell to be, like, valuable in this story. We we get it through Tyrion and we get it through Samuel Tarly as well. Yeah, he's completely uh, invaluable and, like, that's why this stupid ending again with <laughs> with freaking the maester leaving Tyrion out of it like he was hand of the king uh like and was a major part in like an enemy's battle and the war of the five kings so like that's just that's nonsense um but yeah he like proves his uh worth uh multiple times especially in clash of kings um the thing about him and john's relationship what you said about uh the story being like a coming of age story 
I think mm -hmm. makes sense. Um, and what mm -hmm. I noticed is that Tyrion keeps calling John the boy. Like he rarely calls him John in his own mind. Um, mm -hmm. He keeps calling him like the boy. I don't know why he does that. <laughs> I don't know why he does that, but I feel like Tyrion has a soft spot for John because Tyrion understands what John is going through and what he's been through. But Tyrion understands it on a way worse level because John hasn't always been treated well and neither has Tyrion. But on top of not being treated well, well, I, you could say Tyrion was treated horrible. Like John was just not treated well, but Tyrion was treated horrible. On top of that, he's a dwarf. So he gets it a little bit. Like he gets what John is, John is going through. And like in, Tyr in John 1, Tyrion is telling him like, bro, it's not that bad. <laughs> it's It's not that bad. But like, with the fire thing with Tyrion where he's like saying I I look into the fires and I see my mom I see my dad burning and my sister burning and he basically accuses John of doing the same thing and he's like no no wait John is like I would never do that and he's like no never well no doubt the Starks have been terribly good to you. I'm certain Lady Stark treats you as if you were one of her own and your brother Rob. He's always been kind. And why not? He gets Winterfell and you get the wall. And your father, he must have a good reason for packing you off to the Night's Watch. So Tyrion is like reminding him like, if you did, if you did look into the fire... And envision your brother burning or Lady Stark burning. There's no, there's nothing wrong with that because look how they, what they've done to you. Yeah, and at the end of the chapter, the last thing Tyrion sees before going to bed is it says uh, the boy stood near the fire, his face still and hard, looking deep into the flames. Like right after uh, he tells Tyrion <laughs> that he would never do that, but like. Tyrion Lannister smiled sadly and went to bed. It's like very heavily implied, but that's exactly what he's doing. Yeah, he's looking in that fire and he's seeing Catelyn burning in that, in that fire. Like, I definitely think that's what's going on. Um, but he also, like Tyrion also, keeps it 100 with Jon. Like, Jon has this image of the night's watch um that 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 it's an honorable place and all the men there are like uncle benjen and Tyrion is like look around you bro like look at yorin look at these rapers that are these are your brothers like this is like you cannot believe that you're going to some grand place like the wall is an awful place and no one would send their should want to send their child there yeah uh i think yeah that john believing or wanting to believe in the honor and the respect and the duties of the night's watch it's it shows like his innocence and like how young he really is it kind of reminds me of sansa like just dreaming about like this perfect like fairy tale life and it's the same thing for john just reversed uh in the kind of like typical uh stereotypical um male ideology of like honor and strength yeah. uh, whereas Sansa's is like dances yeah. and weddings um and yeah but 
um, I guess you could argue that Cersei is the one who tries to tell Sansa the truth, but, um, but yeah, Tyrion's like the only one uh, telling Jon like what he's actually gotten himself into. Yeah, I mean, like like you were saying, it is like Sansa. A lot of the Stark children, I've noticed through doing the reread, is they all have like these ideas of the world that are just not <laughs> they're they're not grounded in reality they are like fairy tales songs like bran has them john has them Arya has them all of them do <laughs> so and it and it goes to show like these are sheltered kids right like yes they live in a hard world but they're sheltered kids. They've been sheltered since birth inside of a castle, getting read stories by old Nan, and they've never had to go hungry. They've never had to go cold. They've never had to worry about like where their next meal is. They like they've had a comfortable life. So now they're getting thrust into the real world. And what they have in their mind is like these stories and songs from old Nan and they're like seeing it for the first time for what it is like the rose colored glasses are gone and they're actually seeing John is actually saying, well, the night's watch isn't a noble calling. It's not, it might've been years ago, but it's not now. It's like, they're all just fresh out of high school. I'm like, <laughs> Oh, college is going to be great. And then like, it's like hell. Um, <laughs> but also to be fair, Yorin doesn't look like much, but he is a G. We learn later. He's really kick-ass. Yeah, he is. He the, And that's funny that, like, Tyrion uses Yorin as, like, oh, look how awful your brothers are going to be. And Yorin, yeah, he doesn't smell good and he gets drunk or whatever, but he is honorable. Like, he is noble. He does protect the weak. Like, he takes on all of the the Lannisters to try to get them back home, to try to get them to the wall and try to try to get Arya home. So also protecting another Stark, like like traveling with another Stark, like how he's doing right now. Yeah. So I mean, props to Yorn. I actually really love Yorn. <laughs> Shout out to Yorn, R.I.P. So another thing that is consistent throughout Tyrion's chapters, and I don't know if you picked this up, but um, the direwolves don't fucking like him. <laughs> this is the second time Ghost has, like, tried to attack him. So he attacks him here in this chapter, and then Ghost doesn't like him in John 1. And then later on, when Tyrion is coming back from the wall, Grey Wind and Shaggy and Summer, they don't like him when he stops at Winterfell on his way back south. And I'm wondering like in hindsight does that mean that he isn't good he isn't gonna be good for the starks yeah that's a great observation to point out because um i was just thinking that like the dire wolves just like sense what their owners are feeling so if john is like frustrated with Tyrion for like i guess for what he thinks is making fun of him uh ghost is gonna attack him just like mm -hmm. kind of as a joke because he doesn't mm -hmm. like really like hurt him like he could but but also, yeah, like you said, like, uh, Grey Wind, like, hates, um, oh my gosh, Talissa? No. 
Yeah, the I know what you're talking about. Um, her uncle. Yeah, and like, and Catelyn is trying to tell him, like, listen to your wolf. Um, so with that in mind, that makes this a little bit weirder. Um, because I can see Tyrion, like, his actions ultimately being bad for the Starks, but every single time he's interacted with them, he's done what he can consciously to, um, make things better for them so maybe his actions have unforeseen consequences right now yeah i i was thinking like i do agree that the the direwolves do pick up the emotions of their owners so there could be some of that as well but i was just like thinking like in the long in the long run like we know Tyrion is in um slaver's bay right now there's it's almost 100% confirmed that he will be linking up with Daenerys Targaryen. The The question that I keep asking myself, so is Tyrion going to be like this person that tries to convince Daenerys Tar- Targaryen to that Jon Snow is this good person that she should work with in the show, like in the books? Is he going to do like his show thing in the books? I don't know because there's another piece on the table, which is... Fagon and Tyrion has a relationship with Fagon as well. Yeah, but Tyrion's also like it it seems to me like he's like trying to set up Fagon to fail, like yeah, um kind of just like double dog daring him to like go take King's Landing without Daenerys and see what happens. Um so I don't know how that would play into it. Um uh because we know that he's not in a very uh healthy state of mind right now. He's yeah. Like, He's hell-bent on revenge. Yeah, he's hell-bent on revenge. And so he, it could go either way. He could, like, remember uh, the connection he and John had. Or he could be like, fuck the Starks. They were just as rude to me as everyone else. So, Dracarys, Daenerys. (laughs) I mean, it's it's hard to tell. Like, it's hard to tell, like, what way it's going to actually go. I definitely think he will be assisting Daenerys. And I definitely think he... He's in this position now where he can he can counsel Daenerys. He's met both of the the main kings, I'll say. So he's met Aegon and he's met Jon. And he knows but he he did, I won't say he I I think that Tyrion's goading Aegon into going to Westeros was more of a like he's not in his mind he he's not in his right mindset like because I think it's awful that he did that like you you're gonna tell this child this impressionable child like give him bad advice on purpose and that's really not who he was in a Game of Thrones Tyrion too in in a Game of Thrones Tyr- if he had met Aegon in a Game of Thrones Tyrion too. Do you think he would have given him the same advice? Oh, absolutely not. Uh, it's completely different Tyrion's. Um, yeah. This is this is pre uh, pre Tyrion with like actual power and influence, and then just still getting shadow on. Um, and then and this is Tyrion before he finds out the whole Jamie and Taisha thing, um, and getting arrested for Joffrey's death, which he did not do. Um, so it's they're completely different Tyrions. I think if Tyrion had met uh, Fagon like 
how he is now, like right now. Yeah. Um, there, there's no telling what he would have told him. Um, I think it's funny that you said, what if he met like Aegon, like right now here in Tyrion too. And I'm like, <sighs> well, we all know Jon's name isn't going to be Aegon, but like, he's kind of, he's kind of talking to Aegon. Yeah. It's, it's something like that. That's why I'm saying, like, I feel like the unfortunate part for Fagon is that he met Tyrion after he had st- became like this dark monkey demon monster that they always thought he was anyway. So yeah, Tyrion, like a Game of Thrones Tyrion, I really believe that George made him purposely like that, like purposely so likable for when he falls. So you can't make... you. I guess you could make a character like consistently evil because that's what Cersei is. (laughs) But Tyrion is much, uh, a much more interesting villain because he starts off as one of the, if not the most likable character and relatable and like for me, relatable character in the story. And then he he gets built up, built up, built up where you love him. And then it's like, bro, like, what's going on with you? And then he just, like, changes completely. And, like, that was one of my issues with the show was, like, they made Tyrion so vanilla. Like, they made, like, this vanilla version of Tyrion. And Tyrion is, like, a banana split and they just gave us vanilla ice cream. So... <laughs> yeah, wasn't feeling it. Yeah, um, it's like when they took out his the things that make him complex and like a really great character. They also took out everything else that made him great, like his intelligence. Like, <laughs> so, <laughs> so now you have this stupid like guy who's talking to his straight up evil sister and saying you're not a monster when she clearly is. Um, I think it's much more. I think it's far more likely that now the Tyrion that we have uh, is gonna might be closer to Daenerys in the show at the end, really. Yeah, I have. I think that Tyrion's ending. Um, I don't think he's gonna die, but I think his ending is gonna be a lot different. Where he's not gonna be. First of all, there's no fucking way whatsoever. <laughs> that Tyrion is going to underestimate Cersei. Like, that's his whole thing. Tyrion's whole thing is to not be played by his sister. So there's no way he's going to get played by Cersei. Yeah, there's no way he's going to see her in person or anything. He's going to stay far away from her and, like, try and play his little mind games from a different continent or something. Right, Um, (laughs) right. Could you like could you imagine Book Tyrion saying, you know, okay, Cersei, I believe that you're gonna stop this war while we go get this uh fight this other war up here. And I believe you're gonna send troops like the the real Tyrion is not gonna believe Absolutely not. The real Tyrion is gonna like I mean, if anything goes down like that at all, he's gonna Nothing's set gonna up go something like he's gonna set up like a trap for Cersei, so like so like no matter what happens, he's just going to go off to the north and then, like, her castle's going to blow up or something like that. Yeah, it's Tyrion, to me, is everybody 
credits Tywin as like this magnificent, masterful battle planner. And I, I like, yeah, he is, but Tyrion is too. Like Tyrion is that Machiavelli figure in this story. And for them to just make him be like, oh, I didn't know she was capable of that. Like, bitch, please. But yeah, I definitely, I definitely can't see and that supports Tyrion your like, like Tyrion being like such a genius like Tywin and War and stuff that just that as much as I am Tyrion's secret target supports your uh, belief that he is Tywin's son because he's just like uh, it's like if he looked like Jamie, he would be the new Tywin yeah if he looked like Jamie. and Jenna Lannister tells him tells Jamie like you're not Tywin's son Tyrion is Tywin's son because Tyrion is just like him. He's just like him. And um I don't know, but this chapter specifically like it's it doesn't look like a lot like when you first read it like you said it's four pages. But when you think of it in the grand scheme of things, when you think that John and Tyrion are going to eventually come back together and the dragon lore that's being talked about in this chapter like in a previous chapter, and like I think the two chapters before this one was Daenerys too, where she gets the dragon bow, the dragon bone bow at her wedding. And then in this chapter, the dragon bone bow is described. And it's like, um, right. It's far, it ranges farther. Like when you shoot an arrow from it, the arrows go farther. It's light. Um, dragon bones are black because of the iron content. Like you get all of this stuff that if you know George and if you read A Song of Ice and Fire, you know that these little details come back around. Tyrion being like such a vengeful, like I'm going to embrace this monstrous imp persona that people have put upon me. Uh, that Tyrion and then like resurrected John, it's going to be such a different dynamic. And every all the readers who like just really want John and Tyrion to reunite because of how much they get along and like how like cute of a friendship they have, it's going to be like so bittersweet when they come together again because like they're just not the same people. John they is are. a lot smarter and Tyrion's a lot less empathetic. Yeah, it's everybody like I would say that's gonna end up getting back together to fight the war against the others the in the long night, which we don't know how many characters where we can we can you know we there's plenty of theories out there of how it's gonna go down, but when they all get back together, they're all gonna be so different, like Arya, if she's there. Faceless, faceless assassin. John is going to be like this undead wolfy guy. I, I definitely think he's going to be a lot different. If Jon Snow is going to kill Daenerys, which I doubt, he. but if he does, it's not going to be this John. It's not going to be a Game of Thrones John. It's not going to be a Dance with Dragon. It's going to be resurrected John. And he's going to be like a cross between Beric and Lady Stoneheart. So interesting that if 
like like you said, he's going to be a cross between Lady Stoneheart and Beric. And like just thinking about how Catelyn was towards John, like before she was Lady Stoneheart, and then like now that they have this connection, that they're going to be both both be like fire whites and stuff. Um, it's just it's really interesting because as much as Catelyn like resents him, and as much as John, honestly, I don't think he hates her. I just think he like just wishes she was like a little nicer um, yeah. um they have like a lot in common especially because of that that's true but if he does but if john does hate catelyn he has every right to look into the fire and see her <laughs> and see her in there burning <laughs> because that's to you know, that's totally what i think he's doing <laughs> at the end of the chapter but that's basically Tyrion 2 in a nutshell. Did you have anything you wanted to add? Uh, I did just want to point out, it's like a very little thing, but like at the beginning of the book uh, or at the chapter, he uh, asks Ned if he can take some books from the library. Um, and like, that's all it says. But like, basically all what that means is uh, Ned was like, sure, take the books from the library and like, since Tyrion didn't say anything sassy about that interaction, um, and he's not, like, butthurt about it, that tells me that Ned was at least not disrespectful. Yeah, he he wasn't. And you know what? Speaking of Winterfell Library, like, they had all the juice. They had all the juice. They had the Valyrian Scrolls, like, the Engines of War from the Valyrian Scrolls. They had, like, all of these books. And the only books that are probably left are the ones that Tyrion took with him because the library was set on fire. Like, what is the what is the library of Winterfell doing with these books about dragons and these Valerian scrolls that could be, like, anywhere else, like Old Town? Yeah, we don't know if, like, there's copies of them in Old Town, but the one um, Valerian scroll, the Engines of War... Valyrian scroll that Tyrion was reading in Tyrion 1 he's like Winterfell has the only complete copy he's ever seen so Winterfell's library is like they have all the juice it's like the citadel the baby citadel like the library of Alexandria like I want to know what's what was in there before the fire um I know I that's probably no, I don't even want to say that because no, I was going to I was going to say that's probably how what's going to happen to the citadel, the library. No, the straight library. up, urine urine's going to burn the whole thing down. I'm I'm that's I'm not even questioning it. It's just going to happen. I tried not to speak it into existence. It already exists. I know. Tyrion's just such a great character, and like it's such a short chapter, and it's amazing what George does with such few pages yeah like seriously i was when i was reading it i was like wow we have to talk about this we have to talk about that we have to talk about this there's like so much to talk about in this in these little bit of pages because george does this thing where i've talked about it in a couple podcast episodes where he does exposition where he gives us like this backstory without it feeling like a backstory like he it doesn't feel like a big information dump. It feels like part of the story. So he's telling us, well, I'm sitting here, I'm reading this book. It's about, and then he tells us about like the field of fire and Aegon's like conquest and Tyrion's ancestor um, surviving the field of fire. But 
George does it in a way like he weaves it into the story where it's interesting and you want to know more. Yeah, it's it's just so natural because like it's not it's not an expedition exposition dump. It's just Tyrion reading a book and thinking about it, uh, which is such a Tyrion thing. Very. Um. So yeah, that's that. I think that's all I had for it. Um. Honestly, if you wanted to like, uh dissect it more you could because you could just do that with any chapter but i think that's all the good all the big stuff so that is Tyrion too would you like to let the people know again where they can find you yeah so my youtube channel uh is uh alisa patience a-l-i-s-a and then patience like the virtue i've got two videos about daenerys and her parallels to cinderella up right now um, I'm working on Cersei as the Mad Queen, or not as the Mad Queen, well, she is the Mad Queen, but as the Evil Queen from Snow White uh, next. Um, and then I'm on Twitter as Elisa Patience and on Instagram at Awaking Beauty Alley. Awesome. So make sure you guys check her out, subscribe to her channel. I will leave the links in the description box. Thank you again for coming on and talking Tyrion 2 with me. Yeah, thank uh, you so much. It's uh, honestly an honor to talk to one of my favorite YouTubers of all time. Oh, the, the honor is mine. If you guys like this podcast and you're listening in podcast format, please leave a review and let me know how I'm doing. As always, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Have a good day.